0: On this week's episode of Tiger Turf Talk, we host recent graduate with his doctorate, Dr. Wendell Hutchins of Virginia Tech, currently a research assistant for the great Dr. McCall. Uh, This is such an awesome episode with such a great person who has such a bright future in the world of education. Uh, He's going to have an incredible impact on our industry moving forward, whether that is producing incredible industry leaders, or his research, that he really has a new, unique perspective on, and taking a couple different ideas from different professors across the country, which he's going to create great collaborations with incredible industry uh, minds, and really being able to take what he's learned from people like Dr. Goatley, Dr. McCall, Dr. Askew, and translating that into his own journey and into his own path. It's a really exciting time, and we are so excited for him do not want to miss this episode because again it's just great awesome fun we hope you enjoy this episode of Tiger Turf Talk Good afternoon and welcome to the 77th episode of Tiger Turf Talk I'm your host Drew Miller today we have on an awesome guest we have Dr. Wendell Hutchins, brandly new doctor. Uh he is a research assistant at Virginia Tech with huge aspirations here in the future, here to come. How are you doing this afternoon?
1: Doing great, Drew. How are you?
0: Oh, uh, you know. Not, I just told you I my name's going, so we'll it that, but um Want to start off again by saying congratulations. That's incredible news uh, for someone who's working on a doctorate right now. It's a lot of work, a lot of time, and a lot of dedication, especially when it comes to your research. So again, I want to say congratulations. Um, How are you feeling right now? You know, being able to finally say, and we were talking about you don't like being called doctor, but being able to say, you know, it's a it's a real like feat. You know, sort of a moment in life that you really have. Uh, a sense of accomplishment, what has it been like for you since uh, defending your thesis, and what do you see sort of that going forward
1: yeah well it's uh it's been a crazy crazy month or month and a half I guess uh, defended on March fifteenth uh, everything was successful um, i felt uh, felt a lot lighter. We'll say that after my defense um, felt good to, to get everything approved by by the graduate school and my committee members. Uh, but it's been, it's been kind of a whirlwind, honestly, since then I've been, you know, since I defended, I've been interviewing for different positions uh, around the country and then, you know, been finishing up some other research projects here at Virginia Tech. Uh, I've been traveling a lot, um, was up in New Jersey earlier this week. I've got to go to Houston, Texas in a couple of weeks. And then this summer going overseas to, to Copenhagen for the turf conference. So there's a lot of, a lot of stuff still going on. Um, so it, it kind of felt nice to get the the dissertation done, submitted, approved, but uh, ever since then it's really kind of been a whirlwind but it's it's been exciting though.
0: Now, you're walking next week, right?
1: That's right. Yeah, on Wednesday. Ready
0: for the the hood. I feel like that's uh I feel like that's the real moment we're all looking forward to, you know. That's that right. moment. So again, that's all. I might actually be down there. I have uh, about five kids in the two-year program graduating. They won't shut up. So, uh, awesome. Really well, I'm a, so you guys can be quiet. I probably am coming down unless something crazy happens.
1: So, uh, well, I got to say, Drew, what you've been doing with those those students up there at Brunsville, They've been very impressive here at Virginia Tech. Watching them them go through the undergraduate program, and I've I've seen a lot of kids that are going to be successful. I believe.
0: I really appreciate that. That means a lot, um, especially those kids. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh with everything uh obviously it's a lot of research a lot of trials and tribulations what did you focus on it was uh spring dead spot right am i wrong uh yeah. if i remember correctly uh could you sort of walk us through sort of the selection process because obviously you're talking about you're doing other research but when you're doing your dissertation that requires a lot more time effort and energy from you personally what was it about Spring Dead Spot and uh having that opportunity to work with Dr. McCall, who again we all know and love, uh an incredible human being, even better uh scientist when it comes to pathogens and everything. What has it been like for you sort of seeing all that come to fruition?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it actually started probably about five or six years ago uh, when I was at North Carolina State doing my master's project. I was working for Dr. Jim Kearns down there and um kind of developed a relationship with dr mccall early on and he uh he discussed this project where he did a survey throughout uh different virginia superintendents and sports field managers and even some sod growers uh, asking you know what are their top three problems that they see from year to year and spring dead spot was consistently one of the top one or two issues uh so he said okay we need to start putting more effort into to some management practices for this disease because a lot of people are dealing with it uh so he wrote a grant and it got funded and he he kind of offered me back in, I guess it was 2016. Uh, he said, look, once you finish your master's with Dr. Kearns, if you want to come up here and, and do your doctorate, you're more than welcome. And I grew up just an hour south of Blacksburg in a little town called Stewart, Virginia. Uh, so, you know, you're familiar with that with Travis Robertson's also from there and got other couple of buddies in the, the turf industry from Stewart. Um, so it was, you know, close to home. I wanted to be back in the mountains. And then, as you mentioned, Dr. Dr. McCall is a really awesome human being and, uh, he's got a great program going, and he does a lot of the remote sensing work uh, with drones and you know precision applications for you know precision turf management. So all that really interested me. So I kind of knew all along that I was you know after I finished at NC State I was going to come up and uh, start school here at Tech. Um, but yeah, the project was really a pretty expansive. We we started planning it uh, like I said years ago, and we we wanted to figure out some just basic management strategies and BMPs for spring dead spot. Uh, so it's kind of low-hanging fruit there's been a lot of research done in the midwest and how to manage it out there but you know as you know the mid-atlantic regions a totally different environment um, totally different beast essentially Um, so we just went through some basic management strategies with fungicides cultural practices um, the epidemiology of the disease itself so where does it occur why does it occur in certain areas uh, what are some things we can do culturally and chemically to to manage that disease uh, site specifically so it's been a really awesome project and uh, you know, we still got, you know, we, we closed, we opened or closed one door and open 10 more with the, with the research we did and a lot of un- unanswered questions still, but, uh, it was a really awesome project.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, again, like with everything opening more doors and whatnot, um, and you did research for your master and everything, uh, obviously there are so many different i mean takeaways different directions you can go with the research and whatnot what is it about your research that you sort of like found your way and decided hey this is the route i want to go um my camera's kind of messing up apologies for that um with that what is it for you that you sort of make that decision hey this is what i want to focus on and this is where i'm going to go moving forward
1: yeah well so uh really kind of one of the main uh kind of inspirations, I guess, uh, was I remember when I first started my master's, um, Dr. Kearns told me, he said, hey, look, you know, study something difficult, like soulborne diseases, because that'll set you apart uh, from other researchers going forward. So I wanted to make sure a lot of my efforts, uh, you know, were towards soilborne pathogens. And uh, spring dead spot is caused by a soulborn pathogen, uh, Ophiostrelia hypotrica or Ophiostrelia Um and I thought, well, this is a really challenging disease to manage and, and we really don't understand much about the biology, epidemiology and and distribution of this disease. Uh, so that really inspired me to say, OK, we're going to we're going to take on this challenge head on and and see what we can do going forward. So I always like a challenge. I didn't want to go for something you know super easy, because to me, if you're going to do your doctorate, you might as well uh, try to push the limits a little bit. And uh, so that's what we did. We wanted to. And also, it's helpful. You know, I like extension. Um, I really think that, you know, the whole point of research to me is, is to be able to take that information and and help the growers and superintendents, you know, in your state and region. Uh, so we wanted to do applied research that could be directly applicable uh, to the different superintendents around Virginia and uh, sports field managers. So we, we did a lot of basic applied studies just looking at application timings for fungicides for spring dead spot. There's been some information on that, but it's not really well teased out. So we wanted to to build a model for that. Uh, We wanted to figure out, you know, how these different species, corea and herpatrica respond to fungicides uh, because we we saw a lot of inconsistent uh, fungicide efficacy against that disease. Um, So we wanted to really tease that out and we found some great information from that. Uh, We also looked at ways to recover from the disease. So it's funny, most of the efforts for spring dead spot are focused on preventative applications in fall. Uh, But the problem is, is, you know, if you do whatever you do in the fall, if it doesn't work in spring, you're kind of, you know, left struggling. So you have to figure out a way to actually recover from the damage. So we put some effort toward looking at some basic cultural practices to help uh, recover from uh, disease damage. And to me, that was one of my favorite projects because it was, you know, we could take that directly to the, the turf professionals and they can implement it that year Um, So we've worked a lot with sports fields, sod growers, and uh, golf course superintendents. So yeah, a lot of inspiration for the project. But like I said, just mainly taking on a challenge and trying to do applied research that could be uh, directly applicable uh, to turf professionals in Virginia and the surrounding states.
0: So you were just talking about how sort of extension and being able to have that opportunity and see all these different things from sports fields to golf courses. What is it about moving forward that you're really excited about? Um, whether that is the research, whether that is extension, and what are you looking for in your next sort of adventure when it comes to, again, time in the turf industry?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, my my main goal after this is to uh, get an academic position. Uh, so I want to be a researcher um, for a university, essentially. So that kind of means, you know, there's three components, typically for most appointments uh, as a faculty member, uh, you have extension, research, and teaching, and frankly, I like all three. So there's <clears throat> that's good because you know it's uh, you're kind of required mostly to do at least a little bit of all three, even if your appointment doesn't necessarily require it. Uh, so I have a passion for teaching. I think it's really important to to you know the numbers in our a lot of our undergraduate programs throughout the country are fairly low compared to when they uh, what they were in the late '90s, early 2000s. So I'd like to try to. Whatever position I end up with, I'd like to try to inspire some students to uh, to get into turf and, and increase the numbers in some of these turf programs around the country. Um, so I want to teach. I think that's absolutely crucial. And I'd like to see you know both two and four-year students go on and do great things. And I look at Dr. Sandor here at Virginia Tech and the work he's doing. He's, he's done a phenomenal job since he's been here. Uh, so he's kind of inspired me to get into that mindset of the teacher uh, and recruiter going forward. Uh, as far as the research component, that's um, kind of originally where my heart was, is, is doing research. And uh, I still still love the work. Um, I like to continue to do uh, precision turf management work like I've done here at Virginia Tech with Dr. McCall. Uh, so that's, that's going to be an area of focus, whatever position I end up with, is, is looking at precision uh, turf management going forward, uh, using remote sensing techniques and GPS guided sprayers and spreaders and things like that. Uh, And as far as the extension component goes, uh, I think the world's your oyster on that. So, you know, I like, you know, doing site visits, uh, personal consulting with uh, different turf professionals around the state. I love actually, you know, I always wanted to do something in my career that helped other people. Uh, And then I started growing grass and I thought, well, how does that actually help other people? But then you realize, you know, you know, the utility of turf grass and also uh, some of these people's jobs are on the lines. You know, if you have uh, maybe a major disease outbreak or, Uh, some kind of abiotic stress that causes a lot of issues so it's nice to be able to go and actually help them diagnose that issue and give them some sort of solution so that to me is a really attractive part about extension is you can really help others Uh, and also you know field day talks i love you know mixing it up with different people around the industry Uh, that's one great thing about our industry is it's very tight knit uh people seem to really get along you know i think it's only about one degree of separation generally from anybody uh so it's kind of a small world so I really like that, you know, collegial feel of our industry and how we can all get along and, and generally have, uh, you know, a lot of crossover and uh, mixed interests and things like that. So, you know, really all three components. So going forward, like I said, that's that's something that academia typically provides is being able to pursue your research interests while also, you know, help teach uh, the up and coming turf professionals and also, you know, working with current ones uh, in the extension component. So there's uh, that's a very attractive thing to me uh, industry is, is, I think there's a great place for that. And I think there's a lot of wonderful people, uh, in industry working for different chemical companies. Uh, but that's just not exactly where my heart's at right now. Uh, so I want to pursue academia at least, at least first and, and see where that goes.
0: I think it's awesome, especially because again, having that passion for teaching, that's really hard to find if that makes sense. You know, it's, it's something that, I mean, like, Again, people think I'm stupid because I'm a teacher, but, (laughs) um, with that, I mean, having that opportunity to have an impact, that's why I do it, you know, and being able to say that I had that opportunity to impact kid, like the kids you were talking about, like that's, that's what it's all about, you know, and having that chance to, again, see, uh, kids sort of finding their way in this industry and finding a way to the industry. Cause I think you are right. That numbers are really are down. and It is hard to keep up with all the different things that, uh, I mean, we lose people every year to whether it's wear and tear on them, whether it's time, whether it's other things, but there are kids out there that want the opportunity to, you know, find their way to the MLB, find their way to the NFL, um, be at those places without, having to well they're not going to be able to play those sports but they want to you know um, Absolutely. so I couldn't agree with you more on that um, with everything I'm always curious what people think and how they came to it what was it for you and you were talking about Travis before for those that don't know Travis Robertson's uh, Independence Golf Club right uh, running right. The research for McCall there now uh, he was a Virginia I graduated the year after him so uh Virginia Tech grad uh golf uh worked at Kinloch and another place um but what is it that brought you to turf you know what was it that was it always about research and becoming a doctor or was it really something else that really caught your eye and sort of maybe give us a little bit of the story of how it came to be that uh, hey, I'm Wendell Hutchinson. I work with grass you know those are always my those are always my when people like you graduated with a degree in grass. I was like, yeah, yeah, you got a problem with that like <laughs> what'd you graduate with
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah no it's um it's kind of a funny story um so growing up in in Stewart we you know it's a very small town we have about nine hundred a thousand people uh so a you know, pretty tight knit community um and growing up, my brother had actually a landscaping business, uh, and I would help him out during the summers and just kind of be, you know, a, you know, a brunt worker and help him out with everything that's uh, he had—weed eating and and mowing and you know, planting and things like that, uh, trimming shrubbery. And I really liked being outside. I, I loved it. It was a nice way to make a buck and and save up for you know a truck or college or whatever it may be. Um, and so I loved working with him, but I never really considered it for a career. Uh, and also, I love playing golf and baseball growing up. So those are my two, you know, main passions. I uh, spent most of my childhood either on a golf course or on a baseball diamond, uh, and I was a pretty decent player, but I was definitely not good enough to play <laughs> play Division One. Uh, but I wanted to be around, you know, the industry, and I thought, well, it's you know, it'd be great to be, you know, on on a golf course every day, or you know, managing a, a baseball diamond every day. And so I really want to be around the sport, even though, I, like you mentioned, it's, you know, be, have a chance to be actually on the field for an MLB game or inside the ropes for a professional golf tournament. And I didn't know how that could really happen. So I did a research paper uh, my 11th grade of year of high school uh, where I kind of discovered turf management. I didn't even know that was an option. Um, and so discovered that, talked to Brian Kearns. He's the superintendent at Kremlin uh, in Mezzodan, Virginia. And uh, he's a great guy. Um, He's an NC State alum as well, so we kind of share that. And he also lives in Patrick County, so it's, you know, like I said, a pretty tight-knit community. Um, And he gave me some insight into what the industry is like. But I still thought, well, I want to be around golf. And so I wanted to do professional golf management originally and kind of be in the clubhouse and teach and give lessons. Uh, But I went down to NC State and toured um, my senior year of high school. And I met this lady named Emily Erickson. She's the head of the two-year program at North Carolina State and she was telling me about the advantages of, of turf management and, and doing that as a career and uh, so she really inspired me to, to apply for that uh, going into North Carolina State so I got into the program and my whole goal was to be a golf course superintendent uh, get out of school as quickly as possible and go into the industry and start working my way up the ladder uh, and, and have a facility of my own one day. But about two years into it, I took this IPM course, uh, an integrated pest management course, and it was taught by Dr. Fred Yelverton, Rick Brandenburg, and Jim Kern. So they did, you know, insects, diseases, and weeds. And uh, it was an awesome, awesome class. I really loved it. When Dr. Kearns taught his portion of the class, uh, talking about turfgrass pathology and all the different diseases and how to manage them and characterize their biology, uh, I was like, that's super interesting. I, I thought it was fascinating. Never considered research before then, uh, but I went up and talked to him after class one day and just asked him, you know, if he had any opportunities uh, for undergraduate research assistance. I wanted to kind of see what he did more in depth. And he said, Yeah, he said, Come on board. You know, I've got a cool project on Summer Patch right now that I want you to, to look at. And I said, Sure. So I started uh, working in the lab and I was pretty green <laughs> to start out. I'd never done that type of, type of work before. I was more used to, uh, get my hands dirty instead of keeping them clean with, uh, you know, aseptic technique and, and working with pathogens. Um, but I had some great trainers, uh, there and learned a lot about diagnostics and still wasn't really sure if I wanted to do graduate school, but Dr. Charles Peacock, he was my undergraduate advisor. He, uh, he told me, he said, you know, I think you're, you're capable of doing it. And, uh, to Dr. Kearns, and he said, Yep, start your master's, you know, after you graduate, and you can, you can work on this project. We have kind of lined up in collaboration with uh, Dr. Travis Gannon, so they co advised me for my master's. And then from there, like I said, about a year into it, I got to talking to Dr. McCall, and he offered me the opportunity to do a PhD. So I really did not expect to ever be the grad school type you know i thought i was i was going to be just out at this point in my life i figured i'd be you know a first assistant superintendent somewhere or maybe even a a head superintendent Uh, but after meeting the right people and and really the you know motivated inspiring researchers and they they were so passionate about what they did uh, and learning from them uh, that kind of made me say okay this is this is what i want to do for my career Um, and it's dynamic you do different things every single day uh, you know, you're working, the one great thing about being a golf course superintendent is you're at the same facility, but there's always, you know, different problems you have to troubleshoot. Uh, but the great thing about being a researcher is you're going to different facilities all over the state or country and working with those folks. Uh, so I really like that aspect of it as well. So that was kind of the, the long-winded story of how I got into it. But, um, uh, and as far as the teaching component, uh, I, I always said I was never going to be a teacher. Um, but my mom was a, a elementary school teacher, and then she actually homeschooled us growing up in elementary school, and we went to high school, public school. But she is a phenomenal teacher. She works a lot with uh, private tutoring with with kids with special needs, and so she inspired me to really help out students, and that got me into you know kind of wanting to teach and, and help you know college students develop into to professionals, and and that was really inspirational to me. So those those are kind of all the components that mix together into to what I'm doing now, or what I you know hope to endeavor to do coming up
0: absolutely you and i sound like we have very similar story uh coming up you know i had a failed college baseball shot you know it wasn't pretty um (laughs) uh, but my uh my science teacher in my junior i think was like you can go to tech for grass i'm like yeah
1: right yeah
0: there's no way that's a real thing and i looked it up saw it, and i was like okay i guess it is um but yeah I mean it's it's crazy I never again I told you before was not planning on being a teacher I didn't I didn't have the patience I didn't have the I mean my whole family are all educators my dad was a principal he just retired 2 years ago 20 years at one school yeah. and then 30 years in schools in New York City so I mean god bless him and then uh <laughs> mom same thing Chicago then here in northern Virginia for over 30 years and then all siblings are all teachers in this area. So (laughs) I guess I kind of had to do it at some point. Right. So (laughs) no, I I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome that uh, your mom had such a great impact on you. So um, definitely Uh, with that, um, obviously when you make decisions moving forward, like going to different uh, locations, whether that's schools like, Oklahoma state or Ohio state or different places like that. Is there anything specific that you're looking for um, when it comes to your research, like what you would like to continue doing? Obviously you've been focused on Bermuda with NC state and Virginia tech. Are you looking to continue with there? Are you trying to go new places, try different things uh, when it comes to your research and what is it you're looking forward to the most about the opportunities that we're not going to specify, but you're looking into as we're, as we speak, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my, my kind of goal is to stay in the Southeast market. That's kind of where my uh, expertise lies working mainly with warm season grasses in the transition zone. Um, So like I said, a lot of my PhD research was with spring dead spot, which is definitely a transition zone disease. Uh, But also we've done a lot of research here at Virginia Tech, looking at winter kill on hybrid Bermuda grasses uh jordan booth did a lot of work with uh you know winter survivability of ultra dwarfs which i found fascinating uh i know you had him on the show about a year ago so that was a really cool episode um but yeah so that's i want to keep working with warm season grasses ideally uh looking at uh winter survivability um excuse me also looking at precision turf management so we've done a lot of stuff with like i said in dr mccall's lab uh doing site-specific applications uh, whether that be fungicides or wetting agents for localized dry spot uh, or even fertility and um, you know gypsum applications and things like that. We're working with Dr. Chase Straw at Texas A&M. I know he's been on the show as well. Uh, so he's fantastic. He's an awesome guy. Um, so just kind of collaborating with with Dr. Straw and Dr. McCall going forward, uh, I think is, is definitely an area of interest for me. Um, you know, I'd like to keep my toes at least a little bit in the pathology water essentially uh so I, you know there's some projects that i want to wrap up for my phd and maybe a couple follow-ups that i'd like to pursue but i'm perfectly fine going in a different direction as well um i like the cultural management strategies looking at low input grasses uh we've got some research right now on blue grandma uh, which is kind of a low input warm season native grass uh, and we've been doing a lot of work on that for the past couple of years and there's that's so untapped that we i think that's going to be a big area of interest for me. Looking at you know utility for that grass on roadsides and maybe even native areas and golf courses. Uh, so, kind of my idea for a research program is, is low input sustainable turf grasses uh, and precision turf management is is really the two areas of interest for me. Um, so, whether you know whatever position I end up with, if it's kind of in this region. Um, those are definitely areas of interest for me.
0: And that's awesome to hear. Um, is the blue grandma stuff at the research center or is that at Glade road?
1: Uh, we have it at the turf research center.
0: Okay. Uh, we saw it. So we went down to Savannah for SFMA and, uh, Dr. Gooley swung by, we walked past it and looked at it for a bit. Uh, so it was okay. really cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, You were talking about Chase Straw, an awesome guy, and the research he's doing is so unique, you know, uh, when it comes to, like, tracking the athlete to the field and where certain impacts happening because of X, Y, and Z. Is that something you're interested in? Obviously, it's completely off-the-wall different compared to what, like, recent studies and past studies are for when it comes to turf management. Is there something, anything like that that you want to sort of see incorporated into your work, obviously collaborating with him, but maybe something down the line where you're like, well, maybe I'll focus on something specifically, but while tracking athletes and certain things like that.
1: Yeah, certainly. That's uh that's an area of interest for me. Uh, so yeah, he's definitely kind of on the forefront of that type of research. Uh, it's really unique the stuff he's doing, like you said, working with athletes and also, uh, and the impacts it has on the, the playability uh, and health of the turf grass, And so that's an area of interest for me. And I kind of want to focus, or at least one of the kind of pet projects I want to look at is is playability on golf course putting greens. Uh, So we focus so much of our efforts just kind of on, you know, blanket applications, so to speak, of our wetting agents. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of moisture variability within different playing surfaces. So I want to optimize Various playing surfaces, and that could—that's, I think, a good small-scale study. Would to start out with with golf course putting greens, but then you could scale that up to uh, football, soccer fields, things like that, and then scale up even further into you know golf course fairways. So there's kind of crossover in the sports turf and golf industry with that type of research. So for me, you know, Chase has done a lot of work with like safety of playing surfaces and athletes, and I think that's fascinating, and I think that's kind of his niche. And I would, like I said, I'd like to team up with him on some some projects. Uh, but for me, I kind of want to go on the other side and look at more of the effects on playability. Uh, so he's kind of doing the safety stuff. I'd like to do some more playability work uh, and basically just in University of Tennessee. He's done a lot of really cool work with that, uh, optimizing playability on on surfaces. Um, so I think this precision turf management type research is, is well suited for that. Um, essentially, what I, what I always say is if you can minimize the standard deviation of your playing surface, the better off you're going to be. Right. Uh, so I'm getting a little stats terms there, but absolutely reduce the variability of surfaces, right? And so that's something I really want to, want to pursue going forward. And that can be with anything. It can be with moisture. Uh, it can be with, you know, your top dressing practices to reduce organic matter. It can be with your salinity content and your gypsum applications. It can be with your soil pH and lime applications, uh, because, you know, you know, any turf grass surface is such a you know, dynamic, uh, you know, different thing, right? You can move 10 feet away and it's totally different. soil pH, totally different organic matter content, totally different compaction level. Uh, so if we can get more and more, you know, resolution in how we manage these surfaces, because the technology is available now. Uh, we have these GPS guided sprayers who are, you know, less than a meter of accuracy. It's pretty incredible, even even better than that. Um, and they even have GPS guide uh, spreaders now for granular products. So, I think, we, you know, in my career, my goal is to to be able to see, you know, that adapted or adopted by uh, turf professionals throughout the country, uh, and really so we can manage not just, you know, an entire facility, optimally, but manage specific areas within that facility. Uh, so, I think we're heading toward that direction, um, and like I said, Dr. McCall here at Virginia Tech is is really making a big push on that as well. So, uh that's that's definitely something I want to see see through in my career as well. I'd love
0: to see it at our school but uh that's way too expensive sorry. <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe that's one day. Right. Yeah, right. now we're gonna get there. We'll get there eventually, but uh, <laughs> right absolutely. right now, we're, we're we got a few more things to get before we can get the GPS. spray rig. Like a absolutely. Normal spray rig, well, know? I
1: think it's gonna be like the uh, you know like the, the Xbox 360 and Xbox One. You know, as these technologies advance, the the old technology is gonna get cheaper and more affordable. Oh yeah, uh, hopefully. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: <laughs> Used cars yeah, aren't doing that right now. You know.
1: <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. We're still we're still in the early stages, but like I said, one hundred percent um if we can get to the level you know we're still even at the level where a lot of folks aren't using tdrs or, or moisture meters but thankfully we've kind of started you know the early adapter phase i think is is past that point and now more and more people are implementing those so uh, we're getting better with the irrigation practices but i think in 10 20 years you'll see more and more people starting to use this technology um and like i said hopefully 30 years down the road it's it's fairly commonplace but uh, we'll see. You know, obviously, cost is 100%. is a major issue, but then you can, to me, you can justify that technology uh, and the cost of it for because also it reduces labor.
0: chemicals and everything. And exactly taking a hundred dollar bottle instead of using it just once, you use it seven times, right? Exactly. exactly. Um, with that, you know, my brain just went like fifteen different places. With what you're saying, the playability and the variability and the standard deviation. There's so many different people that you get to sort of meet and like my brain went when you said playability my mind went baseball ball roll clay evan muscati up at penn state stuff like that where like you could sort of collaborate with so many different people with that is there anyone that you really think would be great to collaborate outside of dr straw obviously um for when it comes to, again, the precision side for the turf grass affecting the playability then the s- player safety, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Who would you want to work with on that, and how do you see that sort of playing a role moving forward for turf grass managers in general, you
1: know? Certainly, yeah. Um Well, Dr. Sorokin at University of Tennessee has done some cool work with that, and really all the the UT researchers, they're, they've done a lot of great sports turf work, um, and I think that's an area that I would you know, love to reach out to them and start collaborating with those folks um, on some projects. Also, Dale Brimmer at uh, Kansas State, he's, he's kind of one of the experts in remote sensing, which I think is certainly something that uh, you know, I could use his expertise on and would love to potentially work with him going forward. Um, also, there's, there's researchers at the uh, University of Arkansas. Dr. Mike Richardson's doing some work with remote sensing and his student, Daniel O'Brien. Uh, so there's opportunities there. Uh, there's researchers in North Carolina States, uh, who are starting to get into some of that work as well. Um, really throughout the whole country that I think people are starting to realize the utility of this and, and opportunities with this. Uh, like you said, at Penn state, they're doing that type of work as well. Uh, so they could be great collaborators. You know, if I'm doing warm season stuff, they could collaborate on the cool season side of things, uh, and kind of mirror projects. Uh, so that, you know, it's really the opportunities are endless. Um, like I said, I think the industry is starting to really shift in our, in our focus uh, going from, you know, and, and I think it's partially forced. You know, we have more and more you know, regulations uh, from the government on what we can implement uh, into our facilities. You know, Montgomery County, Maryland, there's no, you know, pesticide application. So we've got to get better at uh, how we manage our turf grasses with less. Right. we got to do more with less. Uh, so it's almost forced in some ways that we have to do it. I think we're a little bit behind what what ag has done. Uh, but I think people are catching up pretty rapidly, so the opportunities for collaboration are really endless. Uh, and I know I left some names out, I'm sure, but there's a lot of folks out there uh, who are really starting to look into this. And and with our drone technology now as well, we're getting it to where you know even I can use it. So that's a good sign. Um, so I think it's it's very user friendly at this point, uh, and will become more and more user friendly. So I think there's there's ample opportunities to to work with other researchers in the future
0: awesome to hear because there's a lot of good things that can come from that for when it comes to maintaining fields at the highest level, all the way down to little league fields, you know? Okay. Uh, so for sure. Um, do you have any uh, great memories from Virginia tech in your time, obviously being a Hokie, is something special. And I know it's, it's different when you're a doctoral candidate versus an undergrad and whatnot, but um, something that I also want to sort of ask about is some of the mentors in your time uh, that had a real impact on, um, who were they and how did they sort of impact your journey when it came to again turf grass management and where you are now as Dr. Hutchins?
1: Certainly. Yeah. Well, I, we could spend the whole podcast talking about the folks here uh, that I've worked with. I, I can't say enough about the, the turf team here at Virginia Tech and also SPES or School of Plant Environmental Sciences. They've, uh, it's been tremendous. I, you know, always said when I, when I came to Virginia Tech, you know, the main thing that really attracted me here is the people. Um, it's such a phenomenal group to work with. Dr. Mike Goatley, he's been tremendous. I mean, he's he's the goat, right? <laughs> um so Dr. Goatley's been a great mentor. I have never met anyone who knows more about turf grass than him and is as humble about it as he is, right? So he's he always values your opinion, uh, will hear you out and always provide, you know, good feedback. Uh, So I really have enjoyed working with him and kind of watching the way he he does things uh, has been a great inspiration for me, honestly, and and what I want to be viewed as in my career. Uh, The humility from him is something that I can't, I I don't really think anybody matches it uh, to be at the level he is and also just be as humble of a guy as he is. So he's been an awesome mentor. He was on my my committee, um, a TA for one of his courses as well, the intro to turf class kind of before Dr. Sandor came on board. Um, so he was, he's a great mentor. Also, Dr. Askew, uh, he, he's a phenomenal human being. I think, uh, I think we all know Dr. Askew and he's got his, you know, uh, quirks certainly, but he, I,
0: I was like, I have to unmute for laughing. I'm yeah, sorry. Not, yeah. I gotta, I gotta tell you a story about Askew. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> it's our capstone course. And I, ask you scared the shit out of me all the time (laughs) like i love the guy and he is so he's beyond intelligent like it's insane how smart he is but you're just always nervous you're gonna say the wrong thing at the wrong time you know and i'm sure it's different for like doctoral students who are again it's well, yeah yeah you know what i mean but so it was the day where you had all the turf students at the Glade Road and you did like the different scenarios and we were supposed to diagnose stuff, right? Yeah. Um, well, I was with him and for some reason in my brain, it was like, okay, what he says is true and I'm supposed to diagnose what he's saying. Yeah. He, he ripped me apart because i acted like an idiot because i was like i'm sorry i'll take care of that like because i was supposed to be like a sales rep or something for a, a chemical company um, yeah. and he's like why is it not working blah blah blah. and the 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 weed that he's pointing at is nimble will, and i'm sitting here like i know what that is but he's like well the crabgrass and he's like again i'm not thinking he's talking about the specific plant because in my brain it's a simulation so mm-hmm. I'm like sitting here, like, I'm so sorry, I blah, 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 blah. I went, he's like, this was terrible. I'm like, okay, but why? Like, I don't understand. I was apologizing for the chemical not working. He's like, what is this plant? I'm like, it's not that. And he's like, oh, you knew that? I was like, yeah, because I <laughs> thought it was, I thought we were supposed to go with it. I didn't know we were yeah. specifically saying this is the field, you know, because he's yeah. talking about a sports field. So like, I spent like a week like looking like an I'm in my mind i'm like he thinks i'm the dumbest human being he's ever met i know he thinks i'm stupid and i'm the worst and yeah dr askew man and it was funny because i was defending uh, our capstone project at the end for our, our bachelors and he's sitting there like smiling i'm like you know i'm afraid of you right he's like why i'm like okay oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's—he's. He's, uh, I think everybody has a story like that from Doctor yeah. yeah. Askew. He's—he's um, a great guy. Oh, he's awesome, you know. And he's—he's uh, he's fun to learn stuff about. You know, if you talk to him about anything uh usually, he's pretty knowledgeable when it comes i've learned more about building houses from him as so I say he flips you know, houses
0: like it's nobody's business <laughs>
1: incredible yeah he's 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 a he's a very talented guy he's he's got um, if he gets fixated on something he'll become an expert that's for sure hundred um, percent. There's a lot of legends about him. I love his songwriting. I'm sure you've seen some of his songs on YouTube.
0: I've been trying to get them to release that as like a, a thing on iTunes. You know, they are going to make a lot of money off that stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there'd be there'd be a little uh, niche market for that for sure. Well, a, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people enjoy it. At, least,
0: at least ten thousand people would buy it, right? <laughs> that's,
1: right. that's right. Yeah, oh, he's um, but, but he's fantastic. You know, he's been he's been awesome all the way through for me. Um, just kind of picking his brain on different things, and his students as well. I mean, if you look at the the caliber of students he has, you know they they always say scatterbrained and and makes you do a million different things. But you know, it's to me that's great training ground for for those students to come out, and they'll be exposed to to a lot of different things and have great experience. And I mean, the track record from his students that have graduated and are graduating currently or um, about to, they they have ample job opportunities. Uh, and that's that's really a testament to, to the way he uh mentors those students. So Dr. Askew's given me a lot of lot of great advice going forward with my career and things like that. Um so yeah, he's been a great mentor, you know. So you got you know, Gogeley Askew, uh and then you also have, you know, obviously well, obviously Dave, Dave, Dr. McCall, he's been uh he's he's a man. Um he's not in the room right now telling me to say that either. Uh but yeah, he he was really one of the main reasons I wanted to come to tech and um, I love his style of mentorship. He's, you know, he's hands off. Uh, he's not a micromanager, but he's always there. You know, he's the type of person he'll go out and soil sample with you uh, or spray plots with you. And I I just I think that's awesome. Um, but then he'll be, you know, the next day he'll be writing a grant or, you know, reviewing a publication or something like that. Um, but his, his style of, of training is, you know, I've learned more in this last you know, three and a half years of tech than I ever thought it would. He, he really wants you to, to take your project and run with it, uh, have ownership over it. Uh, he also gives me a lot of opportunities to go do speaking engagements for him. So he'll kind of, you know, he's can't be two places at once. So he usually kind of assigns me or one of the other students in my lab to go out and speak, you know, in the Eastern Shore of Virginia or up in Richmond or Nova or whatever it may be um so i've got a lot of exposure to, to different people and different different experiences through dr mccall so they've been you know so those three have kind of been a core uh around my training here at tech um but then there's also been dr dr misa Hunita. he was on my committee as well he's in epidemiology and, and great diseases um i've never met somebody who's better at statistics than him so he's uh he was a huge help throughout my, my project and then uh, Jim Kearns at NC State, I, I can't leave him out. You know, he's obviously he's not a hokey, but uh, and he reminds me every day that uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I betrayed him on the Wolfpack, right? I come up here to, the, to, to Blacksburg, but uh, he was he was a committee member as well, and he uh, he he really was kind of the first you know mentor I had in, you know in graduate school and, and trained me on you know how to write properly, which I didn't realize. I thought I was a good writer. I did well in English, but uh, you know it's a different story when you're writing peer review publications, um, trained me on how to do research, and has really been a great mentor and, and friend throughout my uh, my journey. Um, and then Dr. Jane, he, he's—I don't know if you, you've met him and, and talked with him, but he is—he's awesome. He does you know a lot of the plant physiology and turf. Um, one of the most published professors at the university, uh, I think he—you'll never meet a kinder individual. Um, and then the rest of the turf team: Dan Sandor, John Dickerson, Whitney Askew. Uh, that whole crowd. So that's, they've all been fantastic. So I just, like I said, I could spend the whole next hour talking about the people here at tech and and who've helped me out along the way. But uh, you know, and also look at my lab mates, you've got uh, Jordan Booth and and Travis Robertson and Caleb Henderson, uh, Aaron Tucker as well. They've all been integral parts uh, of my research and and Kevin Hensler, our technician Uh, there's, you know, it's, it's really unbelievable when you get a good group of people to work with, how much more enjoyable your job becomes. You know, you can come into work every day, and, and you have not only coworkers but you have friends, uh, mentors. Uh, you have people to bounce ideas off of. Our our lab is really creative in in the way we do things. We come in and we share ideas, and we're usually involved in every other person's project in some degree. Uh, so I have my PhD studying spring dead spot, but I think I'm fairly expert at nematode management, at you know aerial imagery, at Annual bluegrass weevil because we had all these different projects that we we usually all try to work together on, Um, so it's really been an awesome experience.
0: It is really true. Virginia Tech's one in a million kind of place, especially the people there. You know, so for sure. Um, Where did you go for your undergrad?
1: So uh, NC State.
0: Okay. Okay, I I thought so. I just sort of assumed it was sort of a way sort of uh, undergrad, masters, and then the betrayal. You know, not betrayal. Upgrade. Sorry, it's a state. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any of you down there. I apologize. Actually, I know one. Uh, I used to work with him up in New York. And his Okay, name is
1: escaping me right
0: now, but he's new. He wasn't there when you were there.
1: <laughs> hey, we, we talked to a uh, Wolfpacker last week, and uh, Danny Lozito. I was in school with him.
0: Really, you know? really, that's awesome. Yeah, he, yeah.
1: yeah, Danny, he, uh, he's awesome. He's got a. He's got a he hell. He really has an awesome board.
0: yeah Yeah, hell of a story i was like i felt like a pinball machine going from east coast west coast east coast west coast north south Ah. (laughs) so yeah yeah,
1: man. that's awesome he was funny you know in undergrad we always kind of knew he was he was going to do big things because he was the turf club president you know he was really kind of the the cool kid the leader right um he was about a year year and a half ahead of me um but uh yeah danny's uh, danny's done it the way if if anybody wants to take a model person in sport field management he's the guy to look at in my opinion Uh, willing to travel willing to try different things go from baseball to football to soccer and uh you see where it's gotten you know and he's he's earned that so uh, yeah yeah, Danny's the man
0: yeah for sure uh which again like that the model of go and do different things where you can't i mean the fact that he did that is crazy you know like i, I my brain i'm like oh man what if i happen to this 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 He just jumped in and it all sort of came together so i'm I'm happy for him for sure yeah. um with that um sort of moving forward i know i've asked this somewhat a little bit uh what are your aspirations past again having a uh a uh, job at a school, being able to teach and all that. What is it like sort of the end goal? What are some of the achievements you hope to have? And I shouldn't say achievements. What maybe some of the goals you have of impacting the industry of uh, personal goals for you. What is it that you're looking forward to most? Again, it's such a big step, you know, going from graduating with your doctorate and having the opportunity to move forward uh, into something like a Dr. McCall into something like a Dr. Goatley. Um, what are you hoping to accomplish in your role as a professor uh, at whatever school that may luckily be uh, for yeah. whoever's looking into them? You should definitely hire them just so you know.
1: Nice um. <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, nah, well, so a couple, couple of things to me. Uh, so I, I was, I'll just give you a little story about this. And this has kind of been the inspiration for what I want my career to look like when it ends is we had, when I was at NC State, we had our technician, his name was Mike Soika, okay, so he was a behind-the-scenes guy, uh, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, he was day in, day out, worked hard, uh, trained the students, everybody loved him, right, you can talk to anybody that's ever worked with Mike, and uh, he's usually one of the, if not the favorite, one of the Mm -hmm. most enjoyable people you ever work with, and, uh, you know, like I said, he was not out front, he was not the forefront of the program, but he was always there. Consistent, worked hard, organized, and trained students, and was really just a joy to be around. And when he retired, he retired my last year at NC State, and um, you know we had a little surprise retirement party for him. And there were like 250 people at this retirement party from all over the country. So people flew into Raleigh to to celebrate this guy's retirement. And I remember Dr. Kearns telling me, he said, "You see this?" He said, "This guy, that's what you want to look like at the end of your career to make an impact on other people, right?" Uh, He said, it doesn't matter how many papers you publish. It doesn't matter how many, uh, you know, awards you get or or the acclamation you get. He says to have people that really care about you because you cared about them. He said, that's the stamp you want to have on your career. And so to me, that's the inspiration I really want. First and foremost in my career is to to leave a good mark on everyone in the industry or everyone I can, whether that be students I teach uh, or advise as graduate students, whether that be other professors I work with. Uh, superintendents, sport field managers, technicians, whoever it may be, uh, my goal is to just be a kind, good person, right? Uh, first and foremost, so good person first, and then good scientist second. Uh, so that's that's the first and foremost goal of my career is just, is just to leave a mark like like Mike Soika like did. I thought that was just such an awesome inspiration um, and to me going forward. So, and as far as scientific achievements and other areas of my career. Um, my goal is to to really push uh, push the concept of, like I said, precision turf management in the industry. I, I love to see that. I want to be kind of a leader in that area. Um, I would love to to graduate a lot of students, uh, both undergraduates and graduate students. I want you know I always think about it's fun when you walk around or go to different places around the country. People always like like to say oh, I was from Dr. Beard's program, or I you know I went through. Uh, Dr. Goatley's program, or you know Dr. Bowman at NC state, there's a lot of people you can always you know kind of point back and say, "I came from their program, and there's a pride thing to it, or Dr. Kaminsky at Penn State right um, and and i I want that same kind of legacy, right I want to be a joy to the students and and see these you know four year two year students go out into the world and say, "I came from Dr Hutchins' program and uh and that's kind of a goal of mine is to to train up students and and leave a legacy. And kind of an impact in the industry with with the education they received from my, my teaching. Uh, as far as graduate students, I think that's that's something that I really want as well, As I've had two – I've been very fortunate to have two awesome advisors. Uh, really three, actually, with Dr. Gannon co-advised me at NC State, but three awesome advisors who've trained me on how to do things and, and kind of developed me as a human being and a professional. Um, So I'd love to leave an impact on, you know, I kind of always say, you know, you want to have a legacy of, you know, students you graduate as graduate students going on and being faculty members or, you know, uh, big players in the industry and and things like that. So those are some of the main goals I have. And obviously, you know, I want to I want to be a pretty prolific researcher, uh, you know, publish a lot, get a lot of applicable information. I'm more of an applied researcher. Uh, that's kind of where my niche is. I enjoy that that side of things. Um, so I like to put out a lot of papers, and but also, you know, have a really heavy extension impact as well. So uh, I know that's a lot, but that's you know, there's it's better to start off with the with lofty goals, right? 100. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll, we'll we'll see what happens, but it's it's exciting going forward.
0: Well, I know you have a bright future for sure. I mean, when you talk about the sort of the mix of again, NC State is an incredible school, having great ties to there and Virginia tech. I think Virginia tech doesn't get enough credit for the graduate programs that they run, you know, having, having the big three is what I like to call them, you know, um, and being right. able to put out people like you, like Travis, like all the people that came with Ben Kramer. I don't know if you remember him. Uh, he was with uh goatly before uh, when I was at tech, um, some incredible people who are having great impacts in the industry. So I know you have a very bright future, Uh, moving forward, whatever that takes you. So uh, again, congratulations on that. Um, We wrap it up on these last two questions because I'm always curious. Again, it helps my students, me and the people that listen to the podcast understand sort of uh, your personal perspective on the industry and on what's going on uh, for you. Uh, If there was one thing that you could know and that it doesn't have to be like to better anything, make anything easier or there was one thing you wish you knew when you first started in the industry, whether that's school or your first job at NC state, what was it? What is it that you wish you knew and why?
1: Yeah. So, all right. So the, the kind of the first thing I wish I would have known is, is how to balance things. Right. Um, that's, uh that's something I've always, I, I usually get fixated on things and go head first, and uh, I remember when I was about halfway through my master's, you know, I used to work till 11, 12 o'clock at night, like every day. It was just the thing I did. And uh, I remember I had, it was almost like an intervention. I had my <laughs> my friends and my brother were all in town and they, they just kind of sat. They were sitting like in a weird circle when I walked in my apartment. And they're like, I was like, what's going on? They're like, you've got to balance, right? And uh, and I think that's an issue really throughout most of the turf industry. And I think it's because people are so passionate about it. There's a lot of expectations or generally a lot of folks in the turf industry are perfectionists, right? Uh, You want it to be, you know, perfect playing surfaces. You want, if you're a researcher, you want the best results, Uh, but easily it can, it kind of influence your family life and your personal life. So I wish I would have taken on the, and it's changed a lot since I've gotten to Virginia tech, I've kind of reevaluated and and had a better balance since I've gotten here. Um, But I I wish I would have thought going forward, like you can work hard and you can put in your work and your hours, but you also need to remember, you know, what's most important. And to me, that's your family and friends, right? You got you to maintain that work-life balance. And I think that's something that gets overlooked in our industry a lot is, you know, we, we have such high expectations uh, for what we do. Uh, and usually we're working, you know, some, you know, some assistant superintendents are working 78 hours a week easy. And, uh, and that's great. I mean, it's, if it's fun, you're enjoying it. Uh, that, that's awesome. But there's a certain point where you have to say, okay, this, you know, I need to have a life outside of this as well. Um, so I wish I would have approached it early on and just realized, OK, if I can take this head on and plan my time better, have a better balanced uh, outlook on things. Um, I think that's something that's really important for, you know, to maintain the hard work and the work ethic and the, the standards, but also remember that there are other things in life that are uh, more important. So I think that's kind of the, the one thing I would I would change or give advice to, to up and coming uh, students and things like that that are that are going into this this industry.
0: Absolutely. And again, that's, that's way overlooked when it comes to jobs and when it comes to people understanding that, you know, um, which I think we're getting better, but you can only really say that if you're in that situation where, again, you just worked a hundred hour week on a concert and everything, and you need to take a step back, you know, uh, when people need you most. So, (laughs) um,
1: And with
0: that, with that, uh, you kind of did say it is a little bit of a form of advice, but what would you say is your best words of advice for kids in like my program or high school students who are looking to either go to college? Like you said, you met a few of my ding dongs. So um, (laughs) what would be your best words of advice for them when it comes to pursuing an opportunity in this industry and just moving forward, they're graduating a month into what could be you know, with your experiences and what you've learned?
1: Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of tell the story about my biggest regret, so to speak. And I think this is something I don't want to see students do is, um, I think, you know, it worked out for me in the end, but essentially I think if you're going to go into this industry and especially if you're going through a two or four year program is don't be afraid to travel and do interesting internships, right? So I had some great internships through college. I wouldn't trade them at all, uh, but I wish I would have traveled a little bit more with them. I stuck with the Carolinas, Virginia. Uh, So like I said, I know the market really well, but that was the one time in life where you can go uh, overseas and work for six months, right? I had a friend who worked at St. Andrews for six months. Uh, Awesome experience for him, right? I had friends who have been out in California and, and done internships, uh, all throughout the Northeast corridor, there's, there's uh, Australia, you know, there's a lot of opportunities in golf down there in New Zealand, Australia. So that is the one time in life where you really get to, ex- you know, get exposure for a short period of time. You think about an internship, it's anywhere from three to six months, maybe a year. Um, and so anywhere for that short a period of time can not be too bad. So why not try? Um, and, and it's frustrating in some ways because, you know, just cause I see myself and a lot of the students, right. They're 18, 19 years old. They want to be near home. And I, and I get that. Um, but if, you know, why not go to Chicago for three months and, and work in a nice golf course or, you know, work for the bears or something like that, why not go out West and, and give it a shot? So, you know, if there's one piece of advice for students is just get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Does that make sense? Get, get used to trying to pushing yourself to a different limit, uh, to try new things, to go in new places, uh, and if you want to come back to the area, that's awesome. You should, but at least you get a kind of a chance to to go out and experience things when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, and I think that's something that's, you know, the perspective is changing. I think with the, I kind of sound old right now with this generation coming up behind us, where I think they're more willing to to see new things and travel. And, but uh, I think if there's ever an opportunity to to go somewhere, i say crazy or somewhere different, they should take it. Um and, and that's that's kind of the one piece of advice because it's going to broaden your horizons. You know, you're gonna, you know, you may not end up working forever overseas, but there's an opportunity to to get to do that. Uh, I think go for it. Um, so that's kind of the one thing for students going forward that I would highly recommend is just just get comfortable being uncomfortable, try new things, go different places.
0: I love it. It's something that again, you like we were talking about Danny and having the opportunity. and some kids like. I I would have killed to have a summer working at Wimbledon, you know, that would have been awesome, you know, but um, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Well, I want to say, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, Sorry for the technical difficulties. I know that's not not ideal, but uh, I do appreciate you taking the time and everything that you're doing and best of luck moving forward. Let us know when you have a decision, you know, that'll be awesome to see. And, Maybe we can get some kids to you from the program, you know, uh
1: wherever Absolutely. that may be, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, we'll see, man. Hey, there's there's no telling and and hopefully in the next couple of months we'll we'll find out more about uh where I'll land. So it's exciting times.
0: Yes, sir.